Okay, welcome back to the second half of our public forum here at the Irvington Vinyl and Bookstore. Again, we're still here with Katie Roach and with Jonathan Young. Um, as we go forward in our discussion and the second part of our discussion, Katie, I want to come back to you and to your story. Um, I want to kind of understand, was anyone ever arrested? Were you ever arrested? Uh, no. So I... so. Um, the answer to the question is yes and no. So yes, um, those involved in my trafficking were arrested. No, they were not arrested for trafficking. And that kind of goes again back to really? the lack of knowledge. Um, also my situation, I got out when I was 16, I'm 30. So that was 15 years ago almost, mm -hmm. you know? So mm -hmm. um, there, things are a lot different now. I think right. it's a little bit more recognized. Um, still, not, still not there. Um, but but they did serve time for um, for child pornography for um, a, a child sexual. Were, abuse. were these crimes specifically against you or others? No, those were against my traffickers and my some of the people that were involved. Okay. Um, and personally, no, I did not experience any charges. And I will follow that up to say, um, I think that a lot of that has to do with my own demographic. Um, so, so I know we're going to get about into that. that no, a no, let's bit. go, let's go there. Let's um, go there. Tell me about that. Yeah. So, I mean, one of the things that I do, cause I mean, yes, I am a survivor of trafficking, but I also, I also work with the office for victims of crime and doing trainings and with ITVAP, which is, which is a, a victim assistance program in Indiana. And one of the things that we see, not just here, but across the board is, um, overrepresented populations um, and underserved populations, which go hand in hand. And um, those would be uh, youth, um, specifically homeless youth, uh, people of color, the LGBT community, um, uh, those, uh, those un uh, that are undocumented, um, any vulnerabilities that you could look at that might, uh, that, that even when it comes to systemically are something that we see um, a lot. And are these uh, people falling through cracks or just not being served at all? So, so both, I think, um, you know, I'll kind of circle it back to the question that you asked me originally and mm -hmm. saying, you know, was I ever arrested? Mm -hmm. No. Um, there were times where, where, um, where, you know, people knew what was going on. Um, I was, I, I had other people who were trafficked, um, the same time as me. And, um, what I can tell you is that, if you have a, a person who is white and a person who is black and they're both could potentially get charged for prostitution, um, unfortunately, when law enforcement shows up, up many times, we will see that the young white girl goes to a program and receives services and the young black woman goes to jail. Mm -hmm. And so um, while no one wants to admit that, mm -hmm. um, like, let's look at numbers. Let's look mm -hmm, at mm -hmm. um, service providers. Let's mm -hmm. see who the, they're serving. Now, when we look at the numbers of the demographics of those who are being affected, certainly it's across the board, every race, every ethnicity. Right, every, right. But um, that to me is a, is, a big, um, is a big indicator. I got out with zero charges, um, you know, minus some like childhood juvenile stuff that was really not, not super related. Mm -hmm. um, and we, we don't see that a lot when it comes to, um, to those who are really discriminated against. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. And at the time, I didn't look as queer as I do today. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about some of, because now that you both are in this 
in this area where you're helping people and working with people um, and you're seeing the gaps, uh, you on, 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 on many sides of this and you, Jonathan, as well as trying to help uh, young people kind of get their lives back, you know, never really having a start after some sort of trauma like that. What are, besides the, when we talk about uh, the disparity in, in care and access to help to get out of this, what are we really saying we want lawmakers to do? What do they have to, how do we need them to start to see sex trafficking? Because again, when, um, when this whole Epstein thing happened, right? Uh, the, the, the young women were really jumped on. This is, we, we forget that. Uh, and uh, when they were in their youth trying to tell their story, they got into quote unquote trouble and there was no trouble. And then finally there was uh, some sort of conviction for him. And then he was in jail and, and, and now has committed suicide. Um, but besides those high profile situations, um, a, a lot of folks, their, their voices, they never get that, that access to that care. So how do we, what do we want the lawmakers to do when they start to see these victims? How do we want them to treat them? Do they just say, okay, we got this guy, he's gonna serve 18 months, you're fine. I really would like for lawmakers to pay attention to victims more and to hear what the victims are going through so that they can make laws that are appropriate for the people who they're listening to. And, and who can make them feel like these kind of laws that can make them feel like there's some justice served. Because a lot of times victims feel like there's no justice for them, especially if the, the abuser does not receive any consequence or does not go to jail or in Jeffrey Epstein's case commits suicide and then, you know, there's no consequence for him. Th those those girls aren't going to get any kind of closure, you know, because that happened. But for lawmakers and and I, I just want you to pay attention and to know that that's happening and to and to give services across the board evenly, um, like Katie was saying, you know, very often there's a disparity between races. Um, but to bring services to everyone and to not. When we say services, we're saying more dollars, right? We need more, more dollars spent, yeah, spent in this more area. Dollars. Do we need uh, more dollars spent on the, the the prosecution side or the therapeutic side? What do we, where do, I, where do you see the most I help? think the therapeutic side. Okay. Because um, healing is an, is, a, is going to be a lifetime uh, effort for the, for the victim. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. going to be a lifetime effort. That's something that they're going to have to remember, deal with. You might even see it when you close your eyes. You never know. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's having some ongoing counseling, some ongoing services, support groups, all those kind of things need to happen. Um, as far as the prosecution, I, I also agree that more money needs to be spent on prosecution as well. Mm -hmm. And I think that uh, there should be harsher uh, punishments for 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 uh, like the traffickers abusers, or abusers for the, for the traffickers for the Johns who buy them mm, I think yeah. that that is a big thing right there if there are more consequences for Johns wow. then they're going to be less likely to go out and purchase the sex mm -hmm. or and, and if you just get a slap on the wrist or you you know you're you're 
no consequence at all, right, then of right. course you're going to go out and do it again. Right, right. So I think on both sides, okay. as far as prosecution and, and care, right. they both need big dollars put into it, more research put into them, and um, a better understanding of how we can help the victims, which means talking to more victims, listening to more victims, understanding what their needs are. And a lot of these victims go to school every day, right? Yeah, they live everyday life like it's... Like they have to. Like they have to. And are we not preparing the school environment? So so I'm going to have to break this down because I want to make sure to get to this, but I feel like there's a couple of really questions and kind of avenues that we could go from this right now. Because the first question you asked about about uh, the lawmaker side, you know, right. what are we looking? Um, what needs to be driven when it comes to policy? Mm -hmm. um, and when I think about that, it's not just you know, more dollars to services, but it's also more training for prosecutors, more training for um, for uh, legal service providers, um, for law enforcement. Um, there is not enough training in any of these departments. I can tell you, I mean, I've stood as an expert witness in multiple cases wow. um, where the, the victim is absolutely being treated as if they are the criminal and you have a, a prosecutor and a judge who are very uninformed of what's going on and they may look at history of there's going to be a, a, an attorney coming against them, right? That's going to be asking questions. Well, were you using drugs? Yes. Well, now the, the girl looks like she's doing something wrong. Well, did you try to leave? No. Okay, well, but now you're pulling on these situations where uh, drugs could have been forced on her. It could have been intentionally uh, given to her to get her addicted so that she needed to come back. There, These are things that are actually used specifically to to uh, keep victims in And bondage. this goes back to the grooming discussion Absolutely. that we were having. And, and then that comes back at, on the victim to prosecute the victim rather than recognizing that. And so I think we definitely need more um, education on, on that side specifically. Mm -hmm. I want to read something that a recent guest shared with me and she gave me permission to share this part of her story. Her name is Genevieve Meyer. And she talks about the first time she was molested at the age of 11. This is her quote. I told my mom and she blamed me. I felt like I was in trouble and I was in a constant state of confusion. I wished I was dead. But you get used to your own crazy and it becomes a part of survival to stay where you are because of all of the fear and my family kind of normalized it too. I want legislators to take this seriously, change the laws that allow these loopholes to exist that made it possible for what happened to me to take place. Parents' rights are often seen as a higher priority over children's safety. That has to change. Now she was referencing parents' rights there because her mother, um, didn't really believe her and signed her guardianship, her, signed her over to the care of her molester, who was a 43-year-old man and Genevieve was, was 15. And uh, this man just uh, raped her, continued to rape her, and her mom shopped her from state to state to figure out to find the place where uh, someone would marry her off. And the culture, uh, a lot of times in a lot of families, is when a child is a problem child uh, to marry them off in some way. So that was within her mom's parental rights to do. None of this was illegal, but it happened. So um, just want to pause there and kind of let that sit with us because that's kind of deep. But when we're talking about what we want legislators to do, um, the laws that protect parents' rights are already there. 
how could we, this is a complete change of culture, right? Um, it's sort of like what we were talking about before when we talked about racial disparity, right? So some of these things aren't gonna go away by, you know, overnight. Let's talk about what people can do as they recognize these things maybe in their own families. You know, maybe there's a Genevieve out there who has an aunt or an uncle that knows something's going on, but feels powerless. What can, can the average person do when they think they see signs? What can they say? How can they approach the child? Because that child, like this child, Genevieve, who's now a fully grown woman, married, thank God, successful, and raising her own family, uh, still healing from this trauma. Um, she was still living at home and appeared to have a normal life. Um, also, I'd like to say that for some people, she did not look like a sex trafficking victim. Um, as, she, as she would say, she's a white female. She was born in Southern California. And so there's this huge stereotype, right? Um, let's talk about how family responsibility, community responsibility, when a child speaks out or maybe they don't, but you suspect something. What would you suggest for someone to do if they suspect that something is a bit off? I would suggest that they talk with the person, talk with the youth, and ask questions that are <laughs> that are telling. Um, that's one thing that we go through in training on how to approach a youth, how to notice the signs. Um, and it's a very, I, it can be very hard for a parent or a family member to know those kind of things and know how to approach them without that kind of training. But um, I think educate yourself on what the signs are. Educate yourself on the best way to approach a youth. Um, we offer through through uh, Indiana Youth Services Association. We offer uh, sex trafficking classes to show you how to find what what the what the signs look like. Okay, and are these? I'm going to let you finish having your senior moment. Um, <laughs> I have one. Yes. Are, and are these sorts of educational programs available for teachers and counselors and community members like what help can we get sometimes you have to help yourself before help comes right that's basically where I'm trying to go what can we do as a community if you see something Katie that doesn't look right you're a parent yeah you know yeah so so I, I think you know when it comes to the community and looking for signs I mean of course, this is a, a huge issue and we're not gonna be able to really do it justice. Um, but when we're talking about what's available to us, how can educators educate themselves? How can community members educate themselves? Um, so the Indiana Trafficking Victims Assistance Program, um, they do offer free training. Um, so somebody would just need to reach out to them. That could be a school, that could be um, a superintendent. Um, it could be anybody really, um, you know, that is looking to learn more. Um, maybe people who work at a domestic violence shelter, um, different places that might really have that need, they can request that training. And also there are consistently trainings um, on a regular basis in the Indianapolis and surrounding areas and really all over um, that are provided um, sometimes free to the community, sometimes of charge, but uh, there's a lot of that information. 
um, and then accessible to anyone uh, at the click of a button is just going to the the website for the Office for Victims of Crime. Um, through the I believe it's through the Training and Technical Assistance Center, but you can kind of poke around or you know go in the search to find it. There is a free Human Trafficking 101 course that anyone can take, um, and I mean I recommend that for anyone just to be just to be a member of society and to know that this is going on. Um, that we we could potentially be seeing signs all over. And just um, not recognize that sometimes we don't really know what to look for. You know, there, uh, in, in a lot of families, I was at a talk where people talked about that certain uncle that people were suspicious of, but no one ever said anything about the uncle. And instead, they talked about the fast nieces. In the, in the black community, they heavily criticized the little girls who might be being abused and stating that they're sexualizing themselves, right? Oh, and one other, th I'm sorry, we want to, oh, okay. It has been pointed out to me that I'll have a question, but Jonathan, go ahead and we'll go to that question. Um, I was gonna say also in the black community, the, uh, those, those questionable uncles are very often protected where the girls are ridiculed as you as you said um i've seen that instance. well girls and boys i need to be clear yeah okay. young, the young ones mm -hmm. are you know mm -hmm. taken taken at uh i, I don't want to say for granted but just maybe not so much believed as they're saying hey my uncle did this but then they're protecting that uncle i've mm -hmm. seen that happen a lot of times mm -hmm. um and and that's something that's something that, a change that we can make mm -hmm. to to help our young people who are being trafficked um also just noticing you know some of the signs like a kid being withdrawn or maybe they got a boyfriend who controls everything that they're doing and they won't they you haven't seen them for a long time because right. now they're in a new relationship and right that could be a sign um them their self-esteem going down you know and them feeling you know bad about themselves that that could be a sign there's so many different signs and at stopover we we do offer those ht Human Trafficking 101 courses for free okay. for anyone who wants them. Okay. Um, so you could just, if you reach out, you will find the information. Okay, excellent. I want to uh, hit on a question that was shared with us during the break about um, possibly seeing signs out in our community where people might be lured away are lured into thinking they're doing one thing and it turns out to be some form of trafficking. Um, and I'm trying to remember it in total, but essentially I think we all heard it. There's a number of, want to learn how to, you can make big money, call this number. And that's very alluring to young people because unemployed teenagers love money. And so that's like the only qualifier for a kid is the, the opportunity to earn money. And when I was also mentioning during break, as I heard of situations where this happened during my teenage years with young people being lured into these scams where they were supposed to be selling magazines, books, or what have you. And they had to basically earn their way back home. They were taken to other cities or what have you. When people in the community see things like that, is there something that they can do or that you, someone that they should call? Or what are your thoughts on that? Um, yeah, so I think there certainly are signs um, all over the place. I mean, literal signs and other signs <laughs> that we're looking for, um, you know, modeling agencies are yes, a big one. that's right. Um, you know, on, on online advertisements right. or whether it's in person, um, you know, 
sales crews, mm-hmm. as you as you mentioned. Um, there are all sorts of different things that are. Kind or even of, teenagers being recruited to give massages. That's one of the. Latest. Yeah, that should be a red flag <laughs> in and of itself. Um, <laughs> but uh, those types of things are, are are very clear signs, and we don't necessarily know that that is a trafficking situation. But what right. we do know is it's attacking vulnerability. Right. right. Um, most people who are going to call that are either in a very desperate situation, they don't know any better, um, or uh, you know, a multitude of reasons. But when you're looking at who is going to respond to that, most likely it's a vulnerable person to begin with. And they are kind of, um, you know, lured into that scenario. But I also think when we're talking about recognizing signs that we see all around us, um, aside from those obvious signs, it's really important for us to recognize how we can see this happening. Because I can, um, you know, people think I'm exaggerating when I say this, but I do this on a regular basis. I would would venture to say that any adult um, who's been around the block for 25 plus years has seen a trafficking victim. Mm, We don't mm -hmm. think that we've seen a trafficking victim because we have this idea of what they look like. Uh, But it doesn't have to be a girl on the street. It's not like that as much anymore. You Mm -hmm. know, people can can be online. They can be exploited for uh, pictures that are... uh, you know, an Tell older us man. a little bit about that because you were describing that during the break. Yeah, so so let's just say you know a girl goes on an app and maybe she's just having conversations and you know she makes some kind of post and she gets a response from from an older guy or maybe she doesn't even know he's an older guy and they're talking back and forth and maybe he um, he you know coerces her to send a, a photo a nude photo. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Well, what can happen in that situation, once that person has that, they can use that as a form of blackmail. And it's very, very common to take a piece of information or, or something that, that, would, um, that would really put that kid in an uncomfortable scenario and to say, look, if you don't meet me here or do what I want, then I'm going to show this picture to your friends. I'm going to post this on social media. I'm going to make sure people know that you did this. And that's instilling the shame in the victim and pushing them in a situation where they continue to be victimized. And I think sometimes we forget how small those things are and how easily that could happen to literally anyone. And we ask ourselves, what does a victim look like? Well, what teenager is susceptible to that? Every single one. So um, I think, you know, when we're, when we're looking at that, one of the best things we, we can do is to, um, to teach our kids. Um, we know, we should know that things like that are going to happen. And I think sometimes we have to let go of that fear of having these conversations with our kids um, about safety, about, um, you know, about sex. I mean, you're not getting, especially you look at like LGBT and, and those who aren't really receiving adequate ed- education, uh-huh. sex education, where are they going to go? They're going to Google it. What uh-huh. are they going to find? A pornography, um, you, know, a- you know, apps, meeting other people. Uh-huh. You're looking at all of those things, which often are, um, are showing violence. Right. And, and not know, that, really near the information absolutely. they really need. And we're looking there at, you know, talking about grooming of actual societal grooming, right? Mm-hmm. So that's not just on an individual level, but mm-hmm. as a society, we're kind of showed what is acceptable and what's not. And, mm-hmm. you know, as, um, as, as Jonathan was uh, mentioning earlier, um, you know, about, now I, I kind of lost my train of thought, but uh, he had mentioned about the grooming? Yeah, about the about the grooming process mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of what that might look like. And I think that we see that oftentimes, um, I'm sorry, I really lost my train of thought there. <laughs> well, so I, like I, should I, just, I would like on. to add on the, um, on the part of the signs that say, hey, make this money and yada, yada, yada. Use your common sense. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Do some research. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that that's not very popular these days. Most mm-hmm. people don't do research. They right. see something and they believe it. They think that's the gospel. But do your research. Find mm-hmm. out the name of the company. Check right. with the Secretary of State to make sure they're actual business. Check with Better Business Bureau to see if there's any reportings on that company. Right. Right. Um, just do your research. This is something that I tell young people all the time. I encounter 14, 15 year olds at the park who are looking to find a job. They want to work so and bad. And they want to work. They want to work. Right. They want to make an honest living. Mm-hmm. They want to be able to pay their phone bill. They want right. to help their mama with the light bill. Right. All these kind of things. And, and those kind of things are what can cause them to not use that common sense. Right. Like, I need to get this money. I got to get my phone. Their phone bill is tantamount. <laughs> okay. So, and, right, you right. know, but I, what I would say is as a parent and as a youth, Use your common sense. Do some research. Right. Take a few minutes out mm-hmm. to check it out mm-hmm. because that can make a, that can make a world of difference. Take a few minutes out to check it out. I love that. I just want to add to that that um, also call the attorney general's office and report it. It's their job to actually look into. Uh, situations like mm-hmm. that uh, they we usually hear about that when we talk about seniors and those scam t- but mm-hmm. it's it's for everything so just so I'm going to go back because I actually I had my memory you of came what back. I was supposed Excellent. to talk came back as he was talking <laughs> so Jonathan mentioned earlier about how oftentimes young girls are seen as sexualized right yes. they're offering themselves um, and that was one of the things that I was thinking you know when we're looking as a society of how we're looking at this and we really need to understand that they're already being put in a position that they are vulnerable. And like I said, as a society, that's grooming as a society. You're sex, you're a sexualized person. Oh, this girl shouldn't be dressing like that. Mm-hmm. She shouldn't be acting like that. Right. Um, when, when we're looking at on the, what we're actually looking at on the other side is, uh, you know, people who are very intentional right, about right. Um, gathering, you know, about getting somebody's attention. In fact, um, there was a, a, a pimp actually who wrote a book. Um, the, the name is escaping me right now, but he wrote he wrote a book about what his experience was like. So he came out of, of uh, pimping. He wasn't doing it anymore. And one of the things that he said in his book was, I will go to recruit girls. He said, I'll go to the mall and I'll walk and I'll look a girl in the eye. And if she looks down, I know she's vulnerable. If she looks in me in the eye, I'm going to keep walking because it's not worth my time. Wow. So let's talk about, you know, prevention from the side of we need to be teaching our kids confidence and telling them that this is not who you are. You right. Just because you dress this way does not mean that anyone has permission uh, to exploit you. Right. And when when we're seeing something like that, I think we forget about how important it is to to teach confidence, to mm. teach what to expect. Right. Um, how does a kid respond to that scenario? Because mm-hmm. it, are, are they aware? Did they think of that? Probably not. You mm-hmm. know, if you're a, a parent and you have this really uncomfortable conversation with your teenage kid and say, look, at some point, right. probably soon, right. someone's going to ask you to send a picture of them, right. of yourself. Mm-hmm. And what I would say to that that child is, you need to know that this is going to come, but I want you to think about how you're going to respond. Mm -hmm. Because if you decide to do that, what would you do if this person said they were gonna send that to the school or post it on your Facebook? and, and then they can kind of have an eye-opening moment to see, okay, wow, I need to really think. And you do have um, to walk teenagers through that discussion because they don't think about ramifications. They don't right. think they about long-term don't. consequences. Right. So you're, I completely agree. And very often, <laughs> youth are quick to take these pictures right. of whatever you ask them. 
send them through. Because they're proud of their little bodies. Yeah, they're proud. And, and you know, young teenagers have better bodies than older people. They look way more amazing than us. You know, so they're proud. They're excited to do it. Um, but then they don't think about that the fact that there are consequences right. to that. Mm-hmm. That youth can be charged for distributing child porn. Right. And I've seen that happen to a 15-year-old girl mm-hmm. who was just doing what the man she met online asked her to do. So the man didn't get the charges. The child got the charges. The man did not get the charges. The child got the charges. Isn't that and something? it all came about when the mom find out, found out that the girl was sneaking out and having sex with these men and doing all these different things with grown men. And when the mother pressed charges against the men, her daughter ended up catching a charge. And this is a type of education that we were talking about earlier about for our prosecutors and lawmakers that we tend to go after because she was still a child. She was a child, 15 years old. And the men just got to go home and eat dinner? They got to go home and eat dinner, absolutely. Katie, help um, me understand. They, they, did, they, uh, they were further prosecuted later, but at that time, the child reaped the benefits. Let's not to say the benefits. She reaped the consequences. Reaped the consequences, gotcha. Um, and those adults did not. They reaped some later. Mm-hmm. But at that time, while she's in the courtroom with them, they're, she's sitting in their faces. They're looking at her. She gets the charge. They're sitting there. They see her get a charge, and they're getting nothing. And that has to be hard, sitting there as a child. Because I Absolutely. remember when I was uh, 13, 14, 15, I didn't have the capacity really to communicate everything that was going on inside of me, let alone be able to eyeball an, an adult. You know, because they're still an authority figure for many kids. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, in a way, all of these things really connect, right? We talk about society as grooming in and of itself, society's belief, sec- sexualizing young girls. To, to, some, to many people, a 15-year-old girl, oh, well, she's already sexual, right? She's already looking for it, right? We have this, the, these things that are being said, but then we look at childhood trauma, which is rampant. I would venture to say more children experience trauma than don't. That is a vulnerability. Um, you know, these girls that are maybe being coerced to send a picture or maybe ending up in this situation, they may not have known what they were getting into or they may have been acting out of trauma. Um, people who have been sexually abused, oftentimes they act out their trauma and that can even be in and of itself a form of dissociation. Then you have a child sitting in the courtroom being held accountable for something really that a grown man should be held accountable. And as you know, lawmakers, as policy uh, members, as society, we need to be standing up for these, for these kids. Um, and I'm sure most people or people who are following the news are probably aware of the Centoya Brown case. And yes. I think that that is one case. And I can tell you there are thousands of cases she was 16 years old when Mm -hmm. that happened yep right right yep and she spent 15 years in in jail wow wow and glad she's finally out Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let, let me end this uh, part of our podcast and I'm really sorry this is such a good discussion um, I want to talk about that acting out part a person who may have been traumatized who themselves becomes a trafficker or an abuser um because we would be remiss to not acknowledge that that can certainly happen. Not that, and I just want to, you know, I had a discuss, discussion with a, a, a gentleman yesterday and he thinks that everyone who's been abused, automatically, they're all abusers. So there's a lot of, of misnomers out there that have a lot of people feeling some kind of way already, right? Because you're, you're still healing through your trauma and now you have people believing. And that's probably why a lot of folks don't want to talk out about what they've been through because they don't want people to think they're weird or they're a pedophile in the making 
or, or they can't be productive citizens and raise families and be a part of our community. Let's talk about those folks who have been abused that do get caught up. How, have you all ever interacted with people who themselves were abused? People say that that was what happened to even R. Kelly. Yes, I've, I've been, I've encountered those who had been pimped and turned around and pimped others, even as teenagers. Um, so that's beyond grooming. That's, it, that's something else. It, it is something else. And I, I, I attribute it to the, the way that they're groomed and they feel that this person who has groomed them is someone to look up to and someone to be like. So they endeavor to be like that person and they find their own sets of, of, of vulnerable people to uh, control and manipulate. Um, and of course, in turn, they feel powerful. And, and this is what I've heard from youth who have experienced this. They feel powerful. They feel like they are finally in charge where they have made money for, made hundreds and thousands of dollars but never got to touch it. Now they get to touch the money that's coming through from the other people. So it is a feeling of empowerment. It's a feeling of, of accomplishment and, and a feeling that they have uh, mirror, mirrored their mentor. Mm -hmm. A feeling that they have accomplished that, that's, uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? They've accomplished what that person it, accomplished before It, it seems as though if they can't find their way out, they'll survive and try to make it up the food chain, so to speak. Is that what you're speaking to? Yes, yes. That's, yeah, that describes what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. So, so I think, I think it's important. I mean, this is a great, I'm really glad you asked that question because I think that um, people who are abusing others, in my opinion, 100% they were abused when they were a child. People just, they don't, they are not born to do that. Mm -hmm. um, trauma is all over the place, but when we look at um, boys and girls mm -hmm. and the differences of what we see there, uh, even though girls are taught to be quiet, yes. um, boys are not believed at all and they're taught not to talk about this. And so when you have boys who are experiencing trauma, who don't come out about it, um, who are ridiculed if they do come out about mm -hmm. it, um, never say a word, uh, then they are not dealing with the trauma. Now, if, even if they were, um, where are the services, right? You, mm -hmm. a lot of times, um, a, it's, it's, oh, well, we want to save the young girls, mm -hmm. um, you know, and there isn't a question about what about these boys? Where are the mentors? Mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. I think, you know, our communities need to rise up with men who are willing to mentor young boys uh, because there are many of them who need mentoring and, and not only boys, but girls as well. Um, and a lot of times that would be that would be called a, a bottom girl. Um, mm -hmm. Basically, it would be a girl who is victimized, who was a, a trafficking victim, who in turn um, brings other girls into the scenario, sometimes mm -hmm. then even you know becomes abusive towards those girls. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a big debate about that even within the anti-trafficking community. I mean, uh, because people have a really hard time um, seeing victimization in right. somebody who is victimizing someone else. Well, mm -hmm. when you have a 16 year old girl mm -hmm. who's been pushed into a situation where mm -hmm. she was being victimized and she's told you need to bring somebody back. And if you don't, whatever that might be, right. I'm going to beat you up or you're going to have to serve twice as many men or whatever that might look like. Mm -hmm. uh, there isn't much choice there. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and you know you you have you're giving somebody potentially this within the trafficking situation this this hey well do you want x or do you want y because either way it's bad right. but if you do this you're going to have a little bit more control um mm-hmm. so i think you know those are are definitely some things that we that we need to think about in a conversation we need to have um as a community for rehabilitation for those who who have uh, been victimizers but also what might they have experienced for boys for girls for all of us absolutely thank you so much for sharing this has been a hard conversation but a very worthwhile conversation i appreciate you all for coming out and i want to thank alicia again for hosting us here at irvington vinyl and bookstore and please come on out and check them out this is a really cool place (laughs) so thank you again jonathan thank you again katie and gail we are out Thank you for tuning in to this episode of PointCast. As always, we'd like to encourage you to continue to plug into our social media outlets, Facebook and Twitter, our website at pointcast.news, and we are now on iTunes, so feel free to look at us there as well. 